We are now going to get into our message this morning. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, get your notebooks out, and get ready to hear a word from God. The other two locations, hey, for the first time. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm the pastor here at uh, our Dover location. Uh, so excited to be up here again for this for this uh, for this series that we're doing. You know, it's funny when we were talking about um, who would be preaching through the weeks. Pastor Nate asked me to do two separate weeks because I've worked a lot, um, not inside a church. I've worked in a, in a bunch of different jobs, and he was like, um, "I think you have the most experience." working with, you know, non-Christians. And Pastor Andrew, who's our pastor at Milton, said, um, I don't know, I went to Bible college. <laughs> Touche. And he almost won. He almost won that round. But um, it's, a great, it's a great series, and I love talking about it, but I wanted to talk through just a, a couple of different things as well. So um, first off, um, I'm just excited for it. It's my wife's birthday today. I know, she's rolling her eyes. It's a tacky move, it's a tacky move, but if I can pull the card, I can pull the card, so happy birthday. <laughs> so this, this past weekend, I talked about it a little bit, and I want to talk about it again, and I think it ties into today's message really well. Really, really powerful things that happened that we saw God working uh, even in our, our morning service, and especially at our worship night. There were three stories that really stuck out to me that I thought would be really cool just for us to, to share through. Um, and it's just amazing to see. So Kai Ness, um, his parents have attended here. They, they worked in the, in the kids' wing for a long time. They volunteered there. Kai Ness uh, was a young boy, and uh, he prayed at worship night for God to speak to him. First time ever, he, he, he heard God speak back to him. And he, and he was in prayer. He was crying because he felt God moving in his, in his heart. And, uh, and we saw it. He was right in the front row doing that. And that was just amazing. He prayed for the first time, like, God, speak to me, you know, move in my heart. And it just happened, which was really cool. Um, Benaya, another, I don't even remember. How old's Benaya? Twelve. Twelve. I thought he was older than that. Twelve, which is even cooler. All right. Um, at worship night, and even throughout the weekend, we had a different leaders retreat that happened. The way that God was speaking to him and that he was moving, we, we said, you know, pray for different people. If you feel led to, to pray for a specific person, do it. And he went up to us and he said, I want to pray for this person for this reason, which we knew the reason, um, but he had never heard any details about it. And we were like, have you overheard something? He's like, no, I have no idea what this means. I just, I just feel like God's telling me to pray for this. So he went and prayed for that person. And it was, it was to a T what that person needed, which was, 
which was amazing that that was able to happen for him. And then we had a girl uh, named Emma who, who goes to Milton. She, she prayed for Tracy, who, who attends here, who um, lost mobility in her wrist um, due to a surgery. And Emma, Emma prayed for her, and she was able to, to move it again in ways that she was never able to before. Just amazing things. And, and you look through, like, how it's happening. It's like 11, uh, 11 year olds, 12 year olds, 13 year olds that God's moving, moving in and speaking to. And, and I think that's really amazing. And, and it's gonna tie in a little bit to the end of the message, but I just didn't, I didn't wanna wait. I wanted to share those amazing stories that, that have happened because it's really cool. So something we believe here, God is alive and he's moving and, and he wants to move in, in your lives. He wants to use you to move in other people's lives. Um, we believe that. And so this series is hopefully going to empower you to go out and to talk to people, to learn, to learn how you can be a good influence in people's lives. And so we've been taking different characters from the Office series and kind of taking the stereotype that they provide um, and then teaching a little bit about it. So today, we got a very interesting stereotype. There's a character in the Office named um, Meredith. And Meredith is extremely, extremely inappropriate. (laughs) Extremely inappropriate. if, If a conversation can go sideways, Meredith is gonna do it. So, I, so trying to look through clips that, that we could play here, this is the best one I could find, um, and I'll explain why this sums up uh, Meredith as a character. This is going to be a very good year, very good. Jan is at home, Jim is back. My protege Ryan is at corporate, good stuff. Um, Andy and Dwight are rocking the sales team. I feel very blessed. <laughs> So that was Meredith. That was the only clip I could find where I would not get fired if I played it in church. That's the only time she was on screen that had an important thing, not just in the background, that I felt comfortable playing for you guys. Uh, and it's not anything terrible, just I don't wanna watch any of the other jokes. It's, it's just, and we all have those people in our lives. We all have those coworkers, maybe family members that love to just, no matter what you're saying, no matter what you're sharing uh, or whatever your family's talking about, they love to take the conversation sideways. And, and the biggest temptation that we can have is um, to not always be the naysayer, to not always feel like we're coming across as a holier than thou person. Um, we may lean into those jokes. We may, we may start to contribute a little bit just because it feels normal. So the question that someone like this in the workplace or, or in your family or, or whatever it may be would bring is, how do you live a moral life while surrounded by negative influences? How do we live out the Bible with the world constantly pulling us away from it? Like, how do we be a part of that? And so instead of me giving you my opinion, um, I believe we have an amazing book called The Bible that we can turn to. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one at the Welcome Center, or you can download the uh, Uversion app. But if you guys want to open up, you can do, uh, go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. That's where we'll be throughout the message today. And 1 Corinthians is a, a letter written to the church that had just formed in Corinth. And so Paul, it's a, it's a letter that's going back and forth. We call them letters because that's, that's literally what they are. He would hear from them things that are happening. 
and then he would form a response. And I know if you're gonna look through Corinthians, you're thinking, this is a long letter that he's sending. And so, um, yeah, letters were expensive back then. So anything that was sent in this letter had a, had a really important purpose because Paul's not gonna waste the time and energy that goes into a letter just, just to put that emphasis in. They're, they're really expensive to make. They don't have paper like we have paper. They have to hire a, a special scribe that could write really small and neat and formulate the letter. So they're doing drafts on, on um, they're kind of like notebooks. I forget exactly what material they were. They're like clay. They're writing drafts that they can actually erase and work through. They're calculating every single thing. So they're expensive. They're hard to make. Um, so every letter that was sent was important. Paul didn't add a single thing in the letter that he didn't find extremely important. And so we're just gonna talk through people that want to take us away from a biblical perspective of life, people who want, um, who always wanna bring the conversation that way. And, and that's kind of the focus in it. We're not gonna really focus too much on, on Meredith or inappropriate jokes at the workplace. Um, I think you guys can try and decipher that, but I wanna talk through some basic principles and, and hopefully that'll help you find um, where your limits are in, in the type of, uh, the type of content you'll joke about and the type of uh, conversations that you would engage in. So first and foremost, Paul's writing to this church because there have been a number of times that the church has fallen into believing something that someone who had just kind of entered into the church started teaching. And so those are called false teachers. So people would enter into the church and they would start to say things that would, um, that would make sense uh, in the argument, but would ultimately be trying to pull people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the very first thing Paul writes in this letter is just addressing what the gospel is. So if you've never heard the gospel, um, this is a, in a nutshell, version that Paul wrote. So we'll just start at verse one. Now, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to work the message I told you, to, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So what was going on in their church was they had these people who had joined the church and, and the way he words it leads me to believe they're people who, who were calling themselves a part of this church that started spreading these, these, false, um, these false beliefs. And the big one that, that he's writing about here is they say um, there is no life after death. You can believe in Jesus, but there is no resurrection. And Jesus didn't actually get resurrected. And so the way he's wording it, it sounds a lot like they're saying, no, no, Jesus is real. Jesus died for our sins, but there is no afterlife. What Jesus did helps us here and doesn't help us any farther, and there was no resurrection. That's what these false teachers were going through. And so um, Paul's defense is this, in this is amazing, and, and I really wanted to dive into the letter and, and help you guys understand different things like that. So... Um, just stay with me on it, all right? So this is important. Paul's defense to this is a really 
great defense, so we'll read in, in verse 12. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing that Christ is lost, uh, believing in Christ are lost. So a second just to talk about this, the argument that he's forming is something really important to build, to build our faith a little bit. Before we go into um, how to work through false doctrine or anything like that, the, the case that he's presenting is really amazing. So for those of you who don't know, the Bible is not just a book that Christians think are true, all right? Um, the, the scriptures that were found, the different translations that were found have equally amount of, of historical evidence as, as, the, as they use in Egyptian, Mesopotamian, and Greek histories. So, so they're, they're founded, they're factual in the sense of the people who are saying that it happened, those were circulating just as popular, popular as what we really are teaching in schools about the Egyptians um, and about Greek histories. Um, they're fact, what happened, it's fact. And the part that you'd have to use your faith on is when they say, uh, I saw this. They said, I saw Jesus heal this man. So obviously, we need faith to believe that person. So the argument that, that Paul's bringing, which should really help us cement down our faith, people are dying in front of this church, and people are holding trials and saying, just tell me Jesus was never resurrected. And they said, I can't tell you that because he was. And people were dying. People were being killed. This is historically accurate, all right? The only piece of faith the Bible really calls you to do is to believe the word of people. That's a really hard lie to commit to. That's a really hard lie to commit to, 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 to sacrifice your entire life just, just to prove that this is right if you're lying about that, like what's, what's the purpose? People, all these different people were being persecuted and dying and all the apostles who wrote, who wrote um, the New Testament, they all, they all died as well, proclaiming this as, as what was right and what was true. And so to me, that really cements in my faith. Of, I, can, I could probably take their word for it. If someone really is dying for what is true, or for what they believe, then I have to believe there's a lot of truth in it as well. So that's just something I wanted to take a second and talk about because um, I think we, at least when I was a younger Christian, I would read through different things in the letter and it's easy because I read a lot of fiction to read through a narrative and not really think through all the implications. So what, what Paul was saying is, is people died and if the resurrection never happened, then everyone who died believing this and, and proclaiming it, they're all lost and they all died in vain. But the, the point that Paul makes here is, is relevant for us, all right? When we, so what ended up happening is the people who were in the church and said they were a part of the church started pulling them away from something that they were claiming was a small change in their belief. Hey, Jesus is real. 
he did die for your sins. There's just no resurrection, right? That's how it started. There's just, hey, your belief is great. Your belief is fine. This one thing, just that didn't happen. That's what they were trying to do. And so Paul's trying to correct that and say, hey, if you remove one thing from this gospel, it's a waste. If you remove one thing from this life-transforming message that Jesus has, it's a waste. And that's really relevant to us as well. When we associate with or take delight in the company of people with worldly morals, we run a risk of mimicking their behaviors, their language, and their habits. And before long, we'll, we'll start sacrificing small things, things that we've convinced ourselves are small things about what the Bible's calling us to do in order to fit in well. So if you're at work and, and you're around your friends and, and, and it's always an inappropriate comment, it's always mocking people, um, and those are the people you're around, that's, that's the behavior that you're gonna end up mimicking. And so the way Paul talks through this in this scripture, really there are three points I wanna talk about. These points on a surface level probably feel really, um, really simple. And I think they, they are, and I think that's, that's a great thing that they do feel simple. So if you're taking notes, you can take notes on these things and work through this. So what Paul's teaching us, the first point is don't be fooled. He's talked through don't be fooled. Verse 33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. And Paul writes, for bad company corrupts good character. You can't assume or pretend that your morals are stronger than someone else's and still put yourself into a lifestyle that compromises your faith. You know, you don't ride the line of what's right and wrong. That's really not something you should do. Don't fool yourself. If you surround yourself with bad company, then, then that's gonna be a bad influence on your good character. And people might argue and say, well, wait, Jesus was a friend to sinners. Jesus spent time with sinners. And while that's true, uh, the closest people to him were, were his 12 disciples. Those are the people he surrounded himself in. They surrounded themselves together. They prayed, they, they worshiped, he taught them. And then they'd go out and, and spend time with people. And then they'd go out and perform miracles and, and uh, after they were refilled with their, their friendship. So Jesus was not surrounding himself 24 seven with, with people who would pull away from what he's teaching that's just not going to be life-giving for him. Uh, the second thing, and this feels really simple as well, we're going to talk through it some more, stop sinning. Paul talks through this as well. He says, think carefully about what is right and stop sinning, for to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. It's hard to stop sinning. That's, that's a hard thing. You can't just write that down and be like, oh, great point. <laughs> this is genius. Oh my gosh, why, have, why has that not been said over and over again? It has been said over and over again. That's why it's not something easy to do, but something that I wanted us in, in regards to this. Stop, let's think of a good way to word this. Obviously, our goal is to always stop sinning. Stop actively sinning, right? The, the Holy Spirit moves in your life. You get personal convictions, Right? You, get, you get a personal conviction of what you can and, and can't do. And then Jesus said a whole lot of things that you can and can't do. And again, if people are willing to die proclaiming what Jesus did was true 
and we wanna believe that, we have to assume everything he said and that they're saying he said is something we should be following. So the things that he says to stop doing, we need to work through and look at our lives and analyze the people we're surrounded by. Do they constantly cause us to compromise on our biblical convictions and our personal convictions? So to stop actively um, functioning with those people that, that would cause you to do that. In verse 56, he says, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's amazing just to be there in God's presence and to let him and his Holy Spirit convict you and work through that. And the last thing is this, and the band can come up as well, is, is cling to Jesus. The last thing that Paul writes as instruction to not be swayed away from your faith, to not be swayed away from your morals, to not be swayed away from what's important that Jesus taught is this. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Again, that sounds kind of simple, but what does he ask us to do? How does he tell us to guard against it? Be strong and immovable. When was the last time we could say that that is the primary function of the human race? To be strong and immovable against things coming at us. It, it, we're, we're not. It, it's scientifically proven the environment that you surround yourself in uh, is 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 the environment you're gonna function in best. We're a result of the systems, habits, and functions that we surround ourselves with. We're the result of that, what we are. And so he says, be strong and immovable. How do we do that? So humans aren't, but we know someone who is, and Psalm 18 describes, um, describes God as, God is my rock, my, my shield, my stronghold. So the only way that we can be strong and immovable is when we cling to something that is strong and immovable. And only when we cling to Jesus will our faith be immovable. I think about the last Sunday when God's moving through all of these 11 and 12 year olds, 13 year olds, like, how is that happening? What's happening? And I, and I think there's a direct result in this. I think we need to keep ourselves innocent like they do. I think we need to wholeheartedly seek Jesus the way that they do. And we need to keep our influences godly. You wanna hear from, from God, you need, you need um, a healthy thought life. You need positivity, you need scripture rolling around in your head all the time. And if the people you surround yourself with most are the exact opposite of that, it's setting you up to fail. And you will not be strong and immovable like Paul's asking us to do. So what do we do? Let's just talk through them again. Don't be fooled. Know your Bible, know the truth about Jesus. Stop sinning. Know your limits and, and stay away from them and cling to Jesus. Embrace the gift of the Holy Spirit and allow it to work on you and to move through you. And the last thing is this, not, never so we can just 
have a, have a holier than other people mentality. That should never be the goal. We're not better than people because we're trying not to sin. We're, we're not better than people because we're, we're trying to be closer to, the, to Jesus. We may be better off than some people because of it, but we're not better than them. And the goal is never just to make us perfect and to make us whole, but we want to be the influence. We don't wanna be influenced. So we need to surround ourselves with things so that we, when we enter the workplace, when we enter the, our families, when we enter with our friends, we have a faith that can stand up to anything. And that only comes from clinging to Jesus and praying to the Holy Spirit on how to do that. Now I'm not saying get rid of all your friends that don't go to church. I'm not saying to uh, quit your job because the inappropriate person uh, won't quit. Norma saying get that person fired, although maybe talk to HR. <laughs> what I'm saying is evaluate your life, surround yourself with the word of God and people who proclaim the gospel and you will be strong and immovable. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a little bit more and just leave some time and I encourage you with this as we're doing our reflection, just pray through, God, reveal to me um, where I let my guard down. Reveal to me where I let my guard down. Where is it that I allow my faith to be compromised? Maybe it's, I believe in Jesus. I believe he was resurrected. I believe in healing. And then my friend is sick and I'm like, well, I don't wanna pray that they be healed because they don't believe in that. Well, you just said to yourself, you don't believe in healing now. And if you don't believe in healing, then how will Jesus work in your heart? How will Jesus heal you? And every time we, we compromise and move away from the gospel, we really risk, like what's the bigger thing that we're really saying about God when we take out these little truths that he has for us? So I want you to pray about that as we reflect, but let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you taught us, God. We pray, just pray that we can cling to you, Jesus. Hold tightly to you. And I pray that you help us not be influenced, but to be, be the influencers, God. To be the people who enter the workplace and shine your light. To, to be the people who without fear talk about how amazing you are. I pray that we wholeheartedly come to grips with everything that you say in your word. So speak to us, move in us. We love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you guys wanna stay on your feet, let's sing a little bit and then Hannah will.